So this is huge, right? This is huge because, you know, we, we, as you said, people just think, well, I can go to bed at whatever time or wake up whatever time and it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. And they've done research on students, you know, they do better, you know, you will retain your short-term memory better if you go to bed before, you know, midnight. Uh, you're better to go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time every single day. Not only is this better for brain function, but we know the brain and the gut are intimately connected. The information provided in this podcast is educational and not intended to diagnose or treat medical conditions. Are you struggling with bloating, gas, constipation, and fatigue, but don't know what's causing these problems? The Gut Health Reset Podcast with Dr. Anne-Marie Barter dives deep into the root causes behind these issues that start in the gut. This podcast will give you the knowledge you need to heal your gut and reset your health. Today on the Gut Health Reset Podcast, we are talking about the circadian rhythm and gut health. We talk about how sleep disruption can actually predict the occurrence of irritable bowel syndrome, how the circadian rhythm predicts metabolic syndrome, weight gain, obesity, nutrient absorption, and cell regeneration. Thank you so much for joining us here today on the Gut Health Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. And today, my special guest is Dr. Laura Brown. This episode is so interesting and definitely a different take on gut health than you've heard before here. She is a naturopathic doctor. She's a published author. She's HeartMath certified. She's a level two gluten-free practitioner, and her focus is digestive health and emotional regulation. She focuses on the healing power within the patient. Dr. Brown, it is such a pleasure to have you here today, and I'm very excited to talk about your book, Beyond Digestion. So why did you decide, what was the inspiration on writing this book? Really good question. And should I call you Dr. Barter or or Aaron? Dr. Barter is great. We'll just be very formal today. (laughs) Absolutely. That's okay. So Dr. Barter, yes. Um, the, the book really was inspired by my own challenges with digestive health. But of course, as we know, in practice, we often attract patients with similar things to help us figure out not only for them, but it helps give us clues for our own things that are going on. So, so um, it seemed to be something that I uncovered slowly over the course of my lifetime. And one of the reasons why... Um, you know, why I got into the whole realm of gut health is because I had issues with my own digestion, as I mentioned, and I couldn't quite figure it out. And there wasn't much information at the time. Now, since then, the research has exploded on the gut microbiome. So I'm always digging and digging into into more information. But what I'm finding is that so many issues with headaches and joint pain and skin stuff and cardiovascular disease, um, you know, just weird, weird rashes. And then of course your gas, pain, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, you know, those types of things, you know, gastro reflux, these things all stem into the health of the gut microbiome. And then why are so many people having issues with it? So it's, you know, trying to understand that part of it. So I just keep digging further and further down the rabbit hole and always coming back to, oh, it all starts in the gut. So that's why I wrote Beyond Digestion. I do truly believe that we have to digest not only our food, but the world around us, and that includes emotions and just stuff going on generally in life, toxins in our environment, that kind of thing. Great explanation. So I'm going to ask you a very loaded question. Why are we having such problems with our microbiota? 
Really good, really good question. I mean, it's it's a loaded one, and I think a lot of it comes down to toxins in our environment, the amount of drugs that we're taking, the level of stress and the go, go, go that we have in our society, the prevalence of plastics in, you know, in our environment, in our food stream, that type of thing. Um, our disruption of our circadian rhythm, which we're going to talk more about today, um, because our circadian rhythm is so intimate with our gut microbes and vice versa. And when things are disrupted, they get disrupted. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's, I, cause I am very excited to talk about this because it's, it's not something anyone else has really touched on. And I was digging into the research and finding all this interesting information on circadian rhythm probably about a year ago. Um, so super interesting. So first, what is circadian rhythm? So, I mean, circadian comes from the word, uh, from a Latin origin, circa meaning around about, right? Um, and the circadian rhythm is basically our, you know, our own internal clock in our hypothalamus and our brain, we have what's called the suprachiasmic nucleus. And this is managing, this is our super clock. Okay. So it's like that big train in the, or the big clock in the train station. That's what we have up in our brain and the hypothalamus. And that is what's regulating what goes on within our body. Now it is affected by what we call zeitgebers. Um, it's a German name, maybe I'm pronouncing it quite correctly, but that's what it is. And it's like light temperature, um, you know, things that we do like food, exercise, timing that we eat, these types of things can affect, um, and seasonal changes, right? Light, light outside affects as well. So we see this disrupting that circadian rhythm. So it's that biurnal, that biological timing where the cells know what to do, just like when the birds know how to fly south, our our clocks, our cells regulated by those clocks know what to do when. And these things are controlled by not only the clock, but our microbes, which have their own circadian rhythm and how they interrelate with one another to go and turn our genes on and manage our hormones and things like that. So the, the first thing is, um, so sleep, you know, it's, I think sleep is, uh, you know, people believe it's fluid. Oh, I can go to bed at 1am and not have any consequences, but why am I feeling X, Y, and Z? So how does sleep, um, and, in our circadian rhythm have an impact or prediction on IBS? Oh, absolutely. Um, because we know those that work in, um, those that work in in shift work, mm-hmm. about thirty percent of them will have IBS because their their clocks are, are get messed up, right? Because they're not our bodies love 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 routine. They like to go to bed at the same time. They like to wake up at the same time, exercise at the same time, eat at the same time, and just rinse and repeat the day after. And when we do that, it's really lovely for our system. So we you know we train our children when they're little. With, with all of this, with the routines and that, because then, because you know, the, the body tends to know. You also see it in your pets. The dog knows what time dinner is, right? It doesn't look at the clock. It's tummy o'clock, right? And that's what it is. And when you, even when, you know, you get those daylight savings hours changing, you know, the, the dog's still standing at his dish at the same time as yesterday, right? He doesn't know the times went back, but this is what we see. Our, we're no different. We're biological. We have these rhythms. And so when we don't 
sleep very well. We have a so we have a much higher likelihood of getting IBS or some any other gut disruption that we can see. Can we see inflammatory bowel associated with that or reflux? Have you have you seen any of that research? Oh, well, we see research in um, obesity, cardiovascular disease. We see it with IBD, inflammatory bowel disease, IBS. Um, we see it with hormonal disruption, right? For especially female um, hormones. Um, and oh yeah, we also see it in neurodegeneration. So we're seeing it in things like cognitive decline, Alzheimer's, that kind of thing. So this is huge, right? This is huge because, you know, we, we as you said, people just think, well, I can go to bed at whatever time or wake up whatever time and it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. And they've done research on students, you know, they do better, you know, you will retain your short-term memory better if you go to bed before, you know, midnight. Uh, you're better to go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time every single day. Not only is this better for brain function, but we know the brain and the gut are intimately connected. We also know that you get sick easier when when you're not um, keeping a nice circadian rhythm, when you're disrupting your sleep. And what happens is is your 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 biological clocks get a little bit out of tune, right? They get a bit messed up. Well, the viruses and you know the, the pathogenic, you know, opportunistic you know, things that come and, and get us are just like going, yes, you know, let's just get them all confused because that's when they can go in and zap you. That's when they can get in and and disrupt because you have to think the cell membrane, which, it, you know, it's a brain that decides what comes and goes. It is so regulated on um, clocks and timing. So it does this at this time, does that at this time. And it's just this lovely handoff. And when it's a bit confused and messed up, it might be letting something in that it shouldn't. It's not as on as on guard as as it could be. And this is why when we run ourselves down and don't sleep and burn the candle at both ends, we get sick. And we have to think over 70% of our immune system is in our gut. It's where we meet over 80% of our environment. So it, you know, it only makes sense that this is where we're gonna start um the breakdown in our, our defensive barriers. So we have someone that's, we've got someone that comes in, right, that's really stressed out. They're super stressed out. Um, and they're, they're you, can't, you run some testing. They're severely micronutrient deficient. They're staying up late. Maybe they're not staying up late. They're just under stress. They're, they've got uh, symptoms of some sort of IBS type of syndrome. What, how is nutrient, um, nutrient absorption affected by the microbiome, circadian rhythm, and stress? Well, we know that's going to be affected because, um, first of all, stress will disrupt the diversity of the microbiome, first and foremost. We rely on the microbiome to help us break down and digest, and it also makes some of the vitamins that we need. So it's responsible for doing some of this. So if it's busy, you know, getting all confused and messed up by, by stress, and getting offset, then we're not going to be making the amounts that we might need. So that could be part of it. And also, if if we're in this timing of this is to do this, you know, this does this at this time, this gene gets turned on at that time based on where, where things are. And the bacteria will translocate to different areas within the gastrointestinal tract in order to do the, the jobs, to turn the genes on, to do different things. Um, so, if, you know, obviously, if that's getting messed up, then our absorption is is not going to be the same. How, you know, you mentioned previously, which I think is an, a very important point, but is is not well understood, I think, by 
a large portion of the population, um, that it can lead, you know, when you have disruptions of your microbiome, it can lead to metabolic syndrome. I think you specifically said obesity. Um, how is that linked? Again, but with with these translocation of the microbiome, needing to turn the genes on within the gastrointestinal tract in order to help regulate hormones, um, you know, cortisol is involved in that. Okay, and we know when we have spikes of cortisol um, or too little, usually too much, you know, too much cortisol, you're you're pulling too much out of the um, out of the bloodstream. It doesn't know what to do with that excess sugar that we've pulled out to, you know, run from the tiger. So now as it do, it, it you know, ends up as excess, usually abdominal fat. So it's just like, oh, well, we'll just shove it in there because we don't know what to do with it. He's not running after the tiger, right? He's, he's you know, typing on the computer. So, yeah, so that's kind of where the obesity can start. It just starts to mess with um, signaling, contro signaling controls and also signaling controls for, you know, our appetite regulation of hormones that regulate appetite, um, like the ghrelin and the leptin, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. What's What's been your experience? And somebody that's been under chronic stress, not sleeping very well, does it look like if you run a stool test, does it look like they've taken antibiotics because everything's been wiped out? Has that been your experience? Well, it depends on what else is going on. Because as we know, there's it, you know patients are much more complex than just the one scientific study in front of us. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they could have been traveling. Maybe they picked up a parasite, you know, you know, maybe, maybe they're on birth control and now they're more, you know, have more, um, option for yeast opportunities in there. And they've had repeated doses of antibiotics or even, um, antidepressants or overuse of, um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, these things, um, and opioid drugs, painkillers, other ones, these things all affect the microbiome. So you can get those shifts. And if they're not sleeping well, they're really stressed. Yes, now we're seeing again another added layer of things that is affecting the diversity in the microbiome. So we're seeing dramatic shifts in the healthy microbes, which, as we just talked about, when you get that shift, now you're more susceptible to the opportunistic pathogens that, you know, the gram negative guys that, you know, off gas those lipopolysaccharides or the toxins. Now, Small amounts of those lipopolysaccharides, so little bits of these gram-negative bacteria, are helpful because they help induce the REM sleep or that dream sleep, right? Which is really great. But when you start getting too much of the gram-negative bacteria in there, you you end up with too much lipopolysaccharide or toxins, right? And that can disrupt sleep. So it's a it's a kind of a chicken and an egg that's going on. And now not only is it disrupting sleep, it's likely you know leaning more towards that permeal barrier in the gut, so our leaky gut. Now we end up with the toxins coming out into the bloodstream, so we end up with pain in the joints, maybe a headache. And that's usually, you know, recognized more at night. And what keeps us up at night, other than, you know, lists in our head and things to do and anxieties is pain. Uh, pain will keep us up at night. So um, there's a lot of, lot of contributors going on here. So it's like, where do you start? right? How do you start? Because if you're not sleeping, not much else is happening. Sleep is not an inactive state. It is a very active state that we need in order to heal. And we need to do that daily. It's part of our daily rhythm and our routine. That's why we sleep. It's, it's you know, it's designed for a purpose. And, you know, I would come back to just do those basics, get those things in, in line, go to bed at the same time, wake up at the same time, 
eat at the same time, exercise at the same time, not too much exercise, not too little, watch the inflammation, you know, do some anti-inflammatories, feed the gut microbiome, maybe, you know, maybe we're looking at inoculating some, taking out, you know, taking off some of the toxic load um, of what we're doing so that we can drain that toxic button, but, you know, bucket. So it's really, you know, helping the person get back onto track, get that circadian rhythm flowing again. And sometimes it's just the really simple stuff, not, not so much, so many pills, but just the simple rhythm and routines that can help get the gut back in order. And then we're also looking at, you know, food and food timing, because if we're eating, you know, a huge meal before we go to bed at night, and now we're sleeping on that, you know, we're spending a lot of energy digesting and, and now putting, you know, blood sugar is rising and that might be waking us up. Alcohol, another thing, you know, spiking, you know, sedating at first, but then stimulating later on that would wake us up and have us, you know, in a poor, poor night's sleep. Hey, this is Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. Have you ever spent hours searching for the right supplements to heal your body? And when you finally found them, Maybe you weren't sure it was a brand that you could trust or if the products were safe. After hearing about these issues time and time again, I decided to put together a complete store of supplements for healing and supporting your gut at dranmariebarter.com. There are supplements for constipation, thyroid health, gut health, energy, and so much more. There are bundles created for sleep support, pain support, histamine support, and the list just goes on and on. These supplements I use personally, or I've handpicked because they've worked time and time again on countless cases in the office. And on the website, you can see what ingredients we use to put your mind at ease. If you visit dranmariebarter.com and use the promo code podcast to get 10% off your next order. So what are you waiting for? Go visit Dr. Anne-Marie Barter and get 10% off your supplement bundle. Ciao. And now back to our episode. You've said so much in just like a very small time frame here. You, you've dropped a lot of gems. I'm just going to go back just a smidge because you said, you know, multiple things can disrupt the microbiome. And one of the things that you said is uh, birth control, which um, I don't know about you, but birth control is really interesting on forms. That tends to be something that gets left out. It's not thought of as a pharmaceutical or contributing to anything gut related or um, or basically any sort of yeast infection. So, I, I mean, is that something that you address if somebody's having chronic yeast infections um, and, and they've got gut issues or uh, urinary tract issues, et cetera? Absolutely. I mean, if somebody's on a birth control pill, and this dates back to a study that I found, you know, I think it was even like the 1970s. They said, if somebody's on birth control, they should be on a multi-mineral and a B vitamin, right? And it B complex because it depletes those things in the microbiome. It's, it's, it's the same as if somebody's on methotrexate, they need to take a B12 because it's depleting that. Um, we have to know what the, you know, what the medications are doing. They're there for a purpose. And if somebody chooses to be on that, okay, you know, you have that discussion, but now you have to do some tidy up, um, of what's going on and make sure that they're well taken care of. And, you know, they, they found, you know, some of the reports that I was looking at said that the yeast infections happen early on and that they tend to dwindle later. 
I don't know. I, 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 you know, I see the, you know, the bacterial vaginosis, which is a disruption in the microbiome in the vaginal tract that, you know, that we see that. And then you see the candidiasis, you know, happening more with, you know, antibiotics, with the birth control, you know, with some of these other types of drugs. So it's, it's, you know, it's now looking at, okay, we're, we need to treat this and you educate the patient on the choices of what they'd like to do. They want to stay on the birth control. Then we have to, you know, we have to work with that. Um, if they choose to get off of it, we have to make sure they're protected so that we don't have unwanted pregnancies. Um, so it's, you know, it's all about choices and education. And I think, you know, as a naturopathic doctor, it's, you know, that's part of the role is to educate so, so that our patients can be empowered in their choices and their decisions and know what consequences come regardless with those so that they can be the healthiest they can. I think that's a very, very important point. And, you know, I, I can't tell you how many patients have come in and just said, I don't know why the person that that put in my IUD or gave me birth control didn't tell me this or didn't tell me that it could lead to this because I've been back to them three or four times about um, this overgrowth of yeast issue and it's super frustrating and this is really affecting my health. So I think that that is just a very, very important point that you bring up for chronic candida issues or chronic yeast issues. So how do you feel like the circadian rhythm also affects um, things like you you mentioned also, um, you know, antidepressants. So we also know that serotonin has a huge role in the gut and uh, how food actually moves through the gut. How does their circadian rhythm also affect uh, serotonin, dopamine levels, GABA levels um, as well? Because we know that those are important as well as epinephrine and norepinephrine for the gut. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many roles. Serotonin alone plays. There's over 22 different receptors. It's working on a lot of the motility in the gut. So that's really key and important. And we see the uh, the tone of the vagal nerve, um, the, the information that's going up and down with the vagal nerve, um, as well as the interrelation with the gut microbes and the circadian rhythm, turning things on and off. Because we know that our shift and our rise in cortisol in the morning as the melatonin dwindles, and the cortisol spikes, this is when the serotonin comes out to play and we have the gut motility. And this is where we would normally have that bowel movement. Um, at, you know, around 1030 at night, it's kind of reversed and those things are, you know, tightened up. So we, we see, you know, the importance there, but we know we make 90%, 90% of our serotonin in our gut and over 400 times more melatonin in the gut than the brain. So this, you know, it's like, oh, okay, what's going on? Well, it's interesting because the melatonin in the gut is not light, light sensitive like the melatonin that is made in the pineal gland in the brain. Um, but the melatonin in the gut is key to healing. It's good for anti-tumor. It's good for healing gut cells. Well, why would we want so much in the gut? Well, we've got tons of area, uh, surface area in the gut. Think of all of those villi in the small intestine, just, you know, it's like a football field worth of space in, inside of us. And these cells turn over every three to five days. So what's helping them heal? What's helping do this? Well, melatonin is helping them heal. So it's like, oh, well, that may, maybe that's one reason why we have so much melatonin down there. So, you know, that's kind of curious. Um, so yeah, so our circadian rhythms are, are pretty big. And you have to think again of that vagal nerve highway because 80% of the information is coming from the gut and going to the brain. Only 20% is coming down. So there's a lot that's being created in the gut and we know the gut can make GABA, and we know that it can make um, 
dopamine. We know that serotonin is actually a, a precursor to melatonin. It goes tryptophan to serotonin to melatonin. So it's kind of on the way. Um, so, so these things are all intertwined. Um, yeah, it could go on and on, but does that help answer? I, yes, uh, it's such a passionate, you know, piece because, you know, it, as you mentioned earlier, you know, one of the things that definitely can change the microbiome or even the circadian rhythm could be emotional stress. And I feel like, you know, not only we always talk about toxins and bugs and things like that, which definitely affect, but also the emotional health. And we see that, you know, IBS is linked with uh, sexual assault and other, you know, emotional traumas ultimately, and that can deplete our neurotransmitter levels. So, um, I, so pretty, pretty big. So is there anything that I didn't ask about that you think is important to address? Um, good question. Cause I, um, time restricted eating would be something like the fasting, right? Because when we eat food that starts to, you know, stimulate that whole manufacturing process of digestion. So for eating at weird times that can affect our circadian rhythm, right? So we talked a little bit about eating at, you know, regular times, but we didn't talk about, you know, changing the, the eating window and we see um, time-restricted eating or fasting, you know, having that six or... I like talking about an eating window. It's nice to talk about things we can do instead of the things we can't. Um, so if we have a six or eight-hour eating window, we see how much this is affecting people um, with their weight management just by doing that alone, right? It's very, very interesting how that can happen. Um, I'm just taking a quick peek. I if there's anything else that we wanted to talk about. So, yeah, I do want to just yeah. touch on the eating window. So, you know, there's there's a lot of things on intermittent fasting or eating windows. And I think that there's a, a lot of confusion when someone should start eating. Is it okay? A lot of people want to have a, a larger meal later at night. They want to kind of skip the eating window until about noon What's your comment on eating a very large meal before you go to bed um, and then maybe starting eating at noon? Because I think that that's what a lot of people resonate towards. Yeah, it's a good question. There's no one right way for fasting and what's right for one person may be, be very not right for another. Um, the things that you want to make key is that you're hydrating, that you're drinking water and um, if you, you know, it's not about starving yourself. If you feel woozy or off, you should eat something. Some days you may have more demands than others. Um, caffeine will affect some of that. Um, yeah, there's no one right way for fasting. It's, it's a matter of choosing what's right for you. You could fast one day a week. You could fast one week a year. You could, you know, you just choose what might work for you. And it's just, keep, as I said, keeping hydrated. Um, eating that really big meal before bed. Well, if you haven't eaten all all day, uh, and some people do like the once in 24 hours, um, very few do well with that, but I think there's some that do. And perhaps because their body's just like wanting all that, it quickly takes it all and puts it where it needs to go. And it's very efficient that way. And if it doesn't affect their sleep, then I guess that's right for them. But if it is affecting their sleep, then they need to think about it. Right. I mean, we work in individualized medicine. There's no one right thing, but it's just exploring possibilities. Is it doing harm? Because we don't want to do harm. Um, and, and then going from there. For some people, they're they're better to 
spread their eating out um, a little bit more. Um, for others, they seem to do okay. I've, I've seen both. Um, I don't generally recommend the once in 24 hours. I usually recommend like a six to eight hour window that starts late morning and then finishes around, you know, seven o'clock at night type of thing. Yeah. I like banker hours, like nine to five. <laughs> that's definitely, yeah. It's, with the sunlight, that's just been, but it, that's hard, you know, when someone's getting off work a little later or, or whatnot, um, you know, so. Um, do you have any concerns with women doing um, time-restricted eating or intermittent fasting around their cycle during ovulation? Is there any concerns with that? Um, or have you seen any trends where it's harder to do during those periods, et cetera? Well, you know that there's such a surge in the different hormones and that can affect um, appetite. It can affect hormones in themselves. And it depends on the individual, again, you know, how they're how they're refracting in the, in the cycle. Um, because you, you may need to eat a little more frequently. You may find that you just have to watch the blood sugar a little bit more during those times. Um, watch for the cravings because sometimes people are craving things like, you know, chocolate and when they really need more iron and magnesium. Um, so it's watching those types of cravings, the sugar cravings that could be more mood related, you know, the drop in estrogen, um, potentially we need to make sure that we're eating more protein so that we're building those neurotransmitters. Sometimes just before the period that the, um, the bowels will get really tight and then they'll get really loose. Um, that's hormone related as well. So sometimes it's coming in and modulating those hormones with some of our lovely botanical herbs in order to help, um, in order to help people through those times and to recognize again, if you're feeling woozy or if you're feeling off, this isn't about starving ourselves, you know, just have a small snack, grab a handful of nuts if you can eat nuts or, you know, a little bit of something that will help tide you over. It's, it's, it's more a matter of, you know, doing what works for you and then getting feedback from an expert based on your individual needs. Well, this has been a super interesting talk. So this has been lovely. Thank you so much for coming on. Where, where can people find you and find your book? Okay. Thanks, Dr. Barter. I appreciate being invited today. It's uh, really a pleasure to speak with you. Um, and Beyond Digestion is available on Amazon worldwide. You just look up Beyond Digestion by Dr. Laura M. Brown, MD. Um, my, I'm on LinkedIn, so you can easily look me up on LinkedIn, Dr. Laura M. Brown, MD. And um, website is South End Guelph, G-U-E lph.ca. That's my clinic. So I do a lot of blogging on there. Um, I do a lot of posting of, I find interesting articles when I'm pulling research together, I'll throw it on LinkedIn. So if you follow me on LinkedIn, you'll, you'll get just kind of my brain dump of, oh, isn't this cool? You know, my, I'll, I'll uh, nerd out on, on stuff so that you'll get stuff there. Um, those are the, probably the best ways to reach me. Dr. Laura at South End, that is in, you know, the South End of town, guelph.ca is my email address if anybody needs to um, have any questions or anything like that. Well, we'll go ahead and we'll put the links below um, so that people can easily just find that um, as well as the the Amazon link to the book. So thank you so much for being on today. It was just such a pleasure and looking forward to doing this again in the future. Excellent. Thank you very much, Dr. Barter. Take care and have a great day. 
Thank you for listening to the Gut Health Reset Podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a rating and a review so more people can hear about the podcast. And hey, take a screenshot of this episode and tag Dr. Anne-Marie on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. And for more resources, just visit DrAnneMarieBarter.com.